I thought it was uh, very appropriate that we, we had communion as we begin to celebrate this season. Um, I had uh, emailed Jay about two weeks ago, and we, we, we emailed back and forth about what's going on. That's kind of the way we keep in touch with everything. And uh, after I had sent him the email about what we were going to be doing for the next two weeks, I said, you know, I forgot to mention to Jay that I wanted to have communion the morning that, this morning here uh, for, as we uh, got ready to celebrate Thanksgiving. And so I'll have to email him again. And before I could email him again, he emailed me and said, I think we should have communion on that Sunday. So I said, that must be a God thing, that we're, we're both on the, on the same page. I want, to, I want to start off with a scripture this morning and then take you into something that uh, a little bit different. But I want, I want to start out with uh, the, the book of Luke. And it's a verses in chapter 17 that we're all very, very familiar with. But I think it's a good start for uh, this season. And it's about the ten lepers. And we all know that story, but we're going to start reading at verse 11 in chapter 17 of Luke. and says, Now it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, and that's Jesus, of course, and he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village, and there he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, He said to them, go show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that they went and they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the other nine? Were there not any, not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. I think we all know uh, that leprosy was kind of a bad thing back then. Today we do have medicine that we can take if, if, if somebody does get leprosy and, and there is a healing process to that. Back then there was none of that. And leprosy was so contagious that any time somebody had leprosy, they were banned from everything. They they couldn't enter their home. They couldn't enter their village. They just kind of had to stay out away from people, lots, you know, far, far away. And you can imagine the joy when these lepers were healed. And uh, they, they did obey God, what Jesus told them to do, which was go show yourself to the priest. So, you know, there was a, an obedience there in them in that they did exactly what Jesus said. And when they did it, they were healed of this leprosy. And you can imagine the joy and the, the, what they did next was most of them probably ran back to their village, probably ran back to their homes who knows how long it had been since they were able to be in, in those places with their families and, and with their friends and so on. But only one of them out of the ten decided to go back and say thank you to 
to the man who, who healed them of this. And as I thought about this message today, I thought that I don't want to be like the other nine that did not get back and give thanks to God. And there's, there's so many things that we have to be grateful of. And that's where I want to take you today. I love social studies. I love teaching history. And whenever I taught history, I always did timelines for the kids. It helped me out. and I know it helps the kids out to kind of see things as they progress and the cause and effects of things. And I want to do that today with gratitude. I want to do a timeline of gratitude. And of course, when you do this, and of course, God's going to be included in this, God kind of messes up your mind a little bit with this because when you get into eternity, there's no time. You know, so it, it's, it's going to be a little bit difficult with this, but I, I'm just going to ask you to bear with me because I want to take you through my timeline of gratitude. And the first thing I want to take you on at the very beginning, where there is no beginning, is God and eternity. And the thoughts that I have about God and eternity was that because God knows everything and he knows all things, he knew from all time that he was going to create us. And what kind of boggles my mind is he also knew from all eternity what man was going to do, that we were going to disobey, that we were going to sin, and that in order for us to be reconciled to him, God was going to have to send his son. And what his son was going to have to go through. Because since he knew everything, he knew every ounce of pain that Jesus was going to have to go through. And still he did it. He still created us. He still sent his son. Jesus came and went through everything that, that he went through. And I, and I think that is just an amazing uh, show of love that I think and me and all of us, I think, have a tendency to forget. You know, that we, we kind of go through life and we don't think of things like, you know, God knowing this through all eternity and yet he loved us so much that he was going to send his son even though he knew what he was going to have to go through to reconcile us to the Father. And then, of course, we come along with creation into Genesis in our timeline. Now we're into real time. And just Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, we know that he did that for his glory. Because when we get up in the morning and we see the sun and the moon and the stars and everything God created, that it was for his glory. But the amazing thing with God is that when he does things for his glory, he also does things so that we can enjoy them. And we get to enjoy all of these things. And I think how often I forget that, you know, that, you know, you wake up, that one sun rises every morning and that the sun sets every day. You know, I was thinking, Robbie Zacharias one morning, he was talking about children and how children, when, they, when they're playing with certain toys and you show them how something works, and they say, uh, 
uh, do it again, Dad. Do it again, Dad. Do it again. You know, and they just, you have to actually stop them because after about four or five times, you know, they're, all, that, all those times, they just keep asking you to do it again. Of course, they're amazed at maybe the, the, the wheel spinning or something like that. But you think of God and every morning, sun, do it again. Moon, do it again. You know, sunrise and sunset, all these things that, you know, are just done day after day after day. And we get to enjoy those things. Okay, then we move ahead about 2,000 years on our timeline. And I'm going to take you into Genesis uh, chapter 12 real quick. If you want to go there, that's fine. We get to the man Abraham. And uh, the Lord said to Abram, and this is 12 verse 1. Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Isn't it wonderful that our families are blessed because we're children of Abraham? Something to be, to be grateful for. Okay? And then we skip ahead about another 2,000 years and we come to Jesus. Alright? And here Jesus comes onto the earth to show us basically how to live. Okay? And with the one object in mind that he was going to suffer and die for every sin that we committed or will commit in the future. Okay? And the love that that shows forth. Psalm 95 says, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands form the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Something what we were doing this morning as we worshiped. If we skip ahead from that time into more or less present centuries that we are that we have uh, been living in. Um, you know, God gives us a time and a season that we're going to be on this earth. And he gives us the place. And we, very fortunately, but as a blessing, have been born in the United States. So I want to kind of take some of the things that we really need to be thankful for in here and some of the freedoms that we have if we go according to our timeline here, we think of the, um, the first, the pilgrims coming and bringing God to this continent. They came, okay, uh, formed the Mayflower con Compact uh, uh, before they uh, actually uh, came onto uh, land. They, that Mayflower Compact, by the way, was the whole basis of our Constitution. That's how our Constitution, when they looked at the Constitution, they looked back at the Mayflower Compact and a lot of that, that Christian beginnings in our Constitution come from that era. And, I mean, we're so blessed that these hundred or so uh, pilgrims 
came, what they went through, I mean, about 50 of them died the very first year that they were on, uh, on land because of the severity of the uh, winter and the lack of supplies that they had and their uh, lack of abilities. And the time, of course, that they landed right before winter, right around this time of year. Right, so uh, we need to express a little bit of gratitude, at least in that sense, that they be- had that early beginnings of a, of a, of a Christian nation. They landed in 1620, and just about 13 years before that, there was another group of men that came over that landed in Virginia. And you could kind of see the difference. These men were there for riches. They were were searching for gold. Of course, when they came ashore, um, the greediness got the whole of them where they went, and they they started digging holes wherever they could find uh, an area where they could dig. They would dig holes thinking that they were going to find gold under the ground and, of course, never really set up the colony, never really started planting for food or anything. And their colony, I mean, totally collapsed. They were, they were actually ready to go back to England at a certain point in time when uh, uh, another ship came in and they, the colony actually survived because of that. But you could see the difference from Virginia to Massachusetts, where this had the godly beginning. Here we had the the beginning of trying to, you know, get rich, the greediness that that goes goes along with that. Uh, And you could see, ironically, later on, Virginia is where first slave ships came in, where slavery started up here. There wasn't any with the, the, the pilgrims. So about a little over 100 years later enters a man named George Washington. Very interesting uh, man uh, because uh, I think he was ordained of God to just do certain things in the beginnings of our country and the godly beginnings of our nation. George Washington was uh, a lieutenant in the uh, French and Indian War right before uh, the Revolutionary War. And he, he was fighting actually on the side of the British at that point. But there was one point where he led his men into, they were, they were fighting the, uh, a group of Native Americans. And uh, the, um, the Native American chief, as they were fighting, said to his uh, sharpshooters, he said, see that man on the horse right there? He could tell he was the leader of the, uh, of the army. He said, we kill that man, we win this battle. So all the sharpshooters aimed and fired at George Washington. He just stayed on his horse. He was he was fine, and eventually they 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 won that battle. The uh, the the British won the battle over the Native Americans. When George Washington got back to his tent that night, uh, his valet who was working with him took his jacket off, and in his jacket were about seven or eight bullet holes. Never went any further than the jacket. Okay. And that story was verified um, not only by the valet, but it was also verified by the Indian chief who later on uh, wrote in his memoirs the story of how all his sharpshooters missed. They couldn't understand how they they could have missed because he was right up there on his horse. But he was a man for his time, and George Washington eventually became our our first president. And when he did... um, he made a Thanksgiving proclamation. Now, he wasn't the one that started Thanksgiving Day, but 
he did declare a day of thanksgiving, which later on we were to base our thanksgiving day on. But I have to read you this proclamation. It says, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of almighty God, to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits and humbly to implore his protection and favor. And whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th day of November, next to be devoted by the people of the United States to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all the good that was, that is, and that will be, that we may then all unite in rendering unto him our sincere and humble thanks for this kind care and protection of the people of this country. For the peaceable and rational manner in which we have been enabled to establish constitutions of government for our safety and happiness, and particularly for the national one now lately instituted for the civil rights and religious liberties. And also that we may unite in most humbly offering our prayers and supplications to the great Lord and ruler of nations and beseech him to pardon our national and other transgressions. He's not only thanking God, but he's also asking for forgiveness for the things that we've done wrong as a nation. To enable us all, whether in public or private stations, to perform our several and relative duties properly and punctually, to render our national government a blessing to all the people by constantly being a government of wise, just, and constitutional laws, discreetly and faithfully executed and obeyed, to protect and guide all sovereigns and nations, especially such as shown kindness unto us, so our protection for other nations, and to bless them with good government, peace, and concord, to promote the knowledge and practice of true religion and virtue, an increase of science among them and us, and generally to grant unto all mankind such a degree of temporal prosperity as he alone knows to be the best. Wouldn't we love to hear that today from our government? You know, we're, we're going in the other kind of the other direction, you know, where it's politically incorrect to ever say God in public and to pray and different things like that. But the... The lies out there that we're not a Christian nation is, you know, it's history. It's right here with us. So as we go on um, now, that was just a, a one single day of Thanksgiving that was uh, that was done unto God. Now we enter the time of the Civil War. OK, we're talking about that, uh, three quarters of a century later. And George Washington is asked by a writer to institute, actually, a national day of Thanksgiving. That would be a regular thing. And her, her name was Sarah Joseph, Josephina Hale. She was 74 years old at the time. 
and she urged President Lincoln to establish a day of annual Thanksgiving. And uh, Lincoln was very much uh, in favor of that, and he established the last Thursday of November, which is what we uh, still do today. And in it, he writes this. Now, uh, actually, he didn't write it. It was actually uh, his Secretary of State, Seward, write that. He's the one that bought the famous icebox that uh, we today call Alaska. And uh, he was criticized highly for that, but a very wise man also. And he says, uh, I won't read the whole thing, but it says, Under the ever watchful providence of a mighty God, in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity. So in the midst, this is 1863, so we're right in the middle of the civil war. Lots of stuff going on. Um, This was written uh, after the Battle of Gettysburg, you know, where we had lost so many, many men on both sides. Uh, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states to invite and provoke their aggression, but peace has been preserved. And, you know, we were wide open to be attacked by another nation during the Civil War because all our men were fighting each other, and yet God protected us during that. That's what he's saying. You know, we were protected by Almighty God during this time. So laws have been uh, respected and obeyed during this time, and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of the military conflict. So, in other words, God was preserving this nation all during this time of the, of the war. Okay, And uh, things did not fall apart. It says uh, that we have not arrested the plow, the shuttle, or the ship. The axe has enlarged the borders. We still grew as a nation. And our settlements in the mines, as well as iron and coal, as of precious metals, have yielded ever more abundantly. Population has steadily increased. All these things they're thanking God for during this time. Okay. And then he finishes up. It says, no human counsel has devised, nor hath any mortal hand worked out these great things. They are the gracious gifts of the Most High God, who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins hath nevertheless remembered mercy. It has seemed to me fit and proper that they should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice by the whole American people. I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November as the day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwells in the heavens. So, I mean, these, we just have so much to be grateful for in our nation that this is something that, you know, we, we have to somehow get into an attitude of thanksgiving where this is just becomes part of our life rather than relying on like one day of the year as Thanksgiving Day and we thank God and then move on to the next Thanksgiving, you know. It's got to be something that we do. Charles Spurgeon uh, wrote a little bit about this in one of his sermons. And uh, I had to read some of this to you because I, I love the way he put it. He doesn't, he's not politically correct. He doesn't hold any punches back. But it's something that I think we can examine ourselves uh, as, as we look at this, 
And he writes, why, look at some of you. You've never missed a meal in your lives. When you went to the table, there were always something on it. You never had to lose a night's rest for want of a bed. Some of you from your childhood have had all that heart you could wish. If God has treated you so, while many are crushed with poverty, should he not have some gratitude from you? You had a good mother. You had a tender father. You have gone from one form of relationship to another with increasing comfort. You are spared and your mother is spared. Your wife and children are spared. Indeed, God has made your path very smooth. Some of you are getting on in business, while others are failing. Some of you have every comfort at home, while others have been widowed, and their children have fallen, one after the other. Will you never be grateful? Hard, hard heart, will thou never break? Will any mercy bend thee? I do appeal to some here, whose path has been so full of mercies, that they ought to think of God and turn to him with sincere repentance and faith. Okay, I love it. I love to hear it because, I mean, that's that's where we we, we need to go. Uh, I need you to turn in Scripture to First Thessalonians, another familiar Scripture, uh, verse I mean, chapter five, and we're going to start in verse sixteen. These are some very very short verses, some of the shortest ones in the Bible, but some that I feel are very very difficult. And I want to kind of close out with this. It says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. I've read this scripture many times, and I've started to try rejoicing in everything many times, and it seems like it's just it's a very, very difficult thing to do. And I think, it, again, it reverts back to our attitude. If we can get that attitude of thanksgiving, uh, it helps us to be, you know, be able to rejoice in everything. Give thanks. It's, it's another thing that it is very, very difficult. But God does tell us to do it. It's actually a command. We, he's not saying if you feel like it, you know, um, uh, in everything, give thanks. He's telling us that. And, you know, sometimes we don't see the whole picture. God sees the whole picture. It's like God paints this big canvas out there. And here we are. We're seeing this little teeny part of the canvas. And we don't understand, you know, of, of the, the, the mighty things that God has planned. So sometimes he allows things in our lives that, you know, you, you can't understand. Why are you allowing? Why are you allowing me to go through this, Lord? You, you don't really understand, you know. But that it's that big picture that we don't see, which God does see. And we have to trust Him in that, and therefore thank Him in it and rejoice. Uh, I heard one preacher talk about uh, when you're in a plane, and I know Barry would probably be able to. Tell us more about this. But a lot of times when, you, when, you, when you're going up in a plane on a very, very cloudy day, everything looks kind of bleak. And then, right, Barry, as you get through those clouds, the sun's out. And, you know, it's like beautiful, beautiful day, you know. And then when you're coming back down, back through the clouds, and now it's a bleak day again, you know. And that's the, the father is up there, and he, he's the sunshine, you know. And, and that sun is always shining 
We're below the clouds. Things don't look so good. You know, things look kind of bleak below the, below the clouds because it might be a cloudy, rainy day. All right. But that sun is out and it's up there and God's up there and he, you know, he is bright and shining, even if we don't see it that way. And our circumstances are like that. Our circumstances are sometimes below the clouds, you know, and it just doesn't look good. But what does God say to do? Thank him and everything. So we have to remember to, to, to do that. And it's kind of like one of these Constant reminders. You know, you have to keep reminding yourself. I know I do because I've, like I said, read this many, many times and started doing this many, many times. And then, you know, six months later, I might read that scripture again and say, yeah, I started trying to do that six months ago and probably lasted two weeks. And then I moved, moved away from it. These are some things to remember when we hit these times when things are bleak. And hopefully this helps you out a little bit. Always remember that and give thanks that God is sovereign, that nothing happens by chance, that God causes all things to work together for good for his children, that hard times reveal our weaknesses, break our pride, and show us our total need of God. That God has triumphed over sin and death through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks that God uses the worst that happens to promote our spiritual growth. And that God is faithful even when we are faithless. That God's promises are true. And evil will not reign forever. That when we're weak, he is strong, that his grace is sufficient in every situation, that nothing can separate us from the love of God, that our salvation rests on God and not on us. Thank you, Lord. That there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still, that the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from every sin that God delights to save sinners and that the Lord can soften the hardest heart and there's no impossible cases with God. These are are just wonderful things that that we can just kind of keep them in mind as we we just go through our day. I know what's hard is that we get busy we get involved in so many things during the day. And as, as we're getting involved in these things, we have a tendency to push these things aside. And then something happens and our focus goes on something negative and, you know, and, and it's hard to get back to this. But it's the, the efforts that, 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 uh, that will, I think God sees the efforts. And fortunately, he knows. He knows we're human. He knows what we go through. And we always have to remember that even you know, if we go a week or two and we forgot this and we, and we read this and, and, and it brings it back to mind, it's like, God, just forgive me and move on because that's what he wants from us. He wants us to, to, uh, to just keep be, being persevering in this. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just, we just thank you for this great day coming up, this day of, of Thanksgiving. And, and we know, Lord, that in our hearts that 
Thanksgiving's uh, not a day that we just uh, celebrate it once and then and then move on into uh, into other things. That it's it's a day that maybe we could just use as a reminder that we are to be uh, have gratitude and and thankfulness for everything that you've given us and and done for us. And Lord, help us to uh, create within ourselves just a spirit of gratitude, uh, a spirit of thankfulness that we don't grumble about things, Lord, because it's it's so easy to do that. And that uh, more is that that's kind of the opposite of of Thanksgiving. But that uh, uh, as we catch ourselves, if we want to grumble and instead to just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for whatever it is and, and whatever the circumstance we find us in. And Lord, that that spirit of thankfulness may not only uh, uh, grow in us, but it may just kind of uh, seep out into other people, Lord God, that other people will see it and uh, that it will give glory, honor and praise to you. And we pray that, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.